And I have one student that said to me, Dana, the work that you're doing is important because it's showing us that it's okay to be ourselves. And it made me feel safe having you near me while I was painting. And what y'all are doing is important for humanity. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. We are now in the second uh, half. Well, no, that's not the second half. There are more than 100 episodes. So I have this wonderful lady who has been introduced to me by Kiki. I want to mention that because I, I really appreciate people who introduce me to interesting people. So Kiki Palin, thank you. And today I'm talking to the amazing Dana Ruggiero, who is a documentarian and an environmentalist. She travels a lot. She is very interested in climate change or trying to stop climate change. She has been interviewed by CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, whatever, all the big channels. She was in Washington with Jane Fonda. I want to talk about that. She is originally from New York, lives in Florida now, Welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, Dana. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that you're taking the time to be here. And I usually start this podcast with a, with a question, when were you on a plane the first time? You know, I was thinking that the first time I was on a plane had to be for the Junior Olympics. And I used to travel with my father all around the country to run. And I was a really fast runner when I was really little. And so <laughs> that's why I was on a plane, you know, from the time I was five years old until I went to high school, traveling around for the Junior Olympics. And I was an all-American runner and I got to go to all these really beautiful places and every city that we would go to, we would visit a zoo. And so I think that's also how I really got the bug for traveling and environmentalism and <laughs> all of it. That's amazing. But that was within the U.S. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was the, for all in the U.S. And the first time I traveled um, outside the U.S. was to Puerto Rico with my family. And we stayed in a family friend's house and we got to travel around the whole island. It was amazing experience. And then I lived in Ecuador for three months by myself uh, when I was 16 or 17 years old on a student exchange program. Wow, that is an experience. So young. Oh, so young. It really, I mean, gave me that solo travel bug, I think. And I actually just returned from a trip to Spain and Portugal where I went by myself. <laughs> I still do that. Yeah. But you see, <laughs> this is the thing that this is, here's the thing. I think when you do these things, when you travel young and then you go three months to Ecuador or whatever, life just never is the same again. And I think mm -hmm. you are, you are, the travel bug is not something that can be healed. And I don't think it should be healed. Yeah, I love it. I one time lived in the Italian Alps for three months on a volunteer project and there was nobody there. We didn't have, you know, computers. We didn't have television. We didn't, you know, me and one other woman from Poland, Ava, and we just protected that forest. <laughs> I mean, what an experience, you know, three miles from the nearest little village, you know, just, just amazing experiences, people that you get to meet from around the world. Um, you know, I met Kiki on a travel journey through um, Florida with National Geographic on a photo tour um, in Key West. And so I went down there to film sharks on a shark 
boat uh, as part of a friend, another friend's film project and got to meet Kiki from Sweden. And now here I am with you. I mean, traveling is wonderful. And when you are alone, you, you do, I think, open up to more people and local experiences, right? You got listening really comes into play. And that's, of course, what I love to do as a documentary filmmaker and listener is, is just be present and listen. Totally, totally. You saying that you were in the Italian Alps far away, there was no internet, I would imagine. No. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I have this experience. I was a tour guide when I was young and I worked in the Maldives. And uh, I lived on an island where you could walk around for in, in 10 minutes. And um, mm-hmm. I was 25. And I sometimes wonder, how did I do that? How did I you do that then? It's amazing. And how we become a part of communities, too, and people help us. And, you know, you, you just meet these wonderful people and also learn how to do things on your own. And I think it's made me somebody who now as a filmmaker, I mean, I'm working on my new film in the Gulf Coast, which is called Gulf Coast Love Story. And I often just take off and I go over to Texas to Louisiana and film and meet people. And I'm not scared to do that, although it is very scary. And, you know, we even recently while filming crossed over into where they're building part of the new border wall where they had started building that. Um, And there's a tree, this beautiful tree that my friend Jackie, a dancer in Texas, she had gone to this beautiful 500, a thousand year old tree uh, for her whole life. They would gather around this tree in high school, her and her friends would hang out around this tree. And we don't have a lot of these trees anymore because they really are so big and massive that it makes it hard to see down there, right? So it's a militarized zone. They want to be able to see. So they're cutting down the trees. They're not replanting them. And so now this wall is being built actually on this side of the tree, even though it's part of the U.S. And so we actually, before they had finished building, we went over and crossed this wall through this scary wall to go and see this tree one last time. And um, I don't know that I would have you know, the guts to do things like this. If you hadn't Um, had your previous life. (laughs) If I wasn't walking the streets of Ecuador, of Quito, on my own at 16 years old. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, I think I I agree with you. I do agree with you because you do, you do become pretty fearless, don't you? Because, (laughs) because you don't really have much choice when you are in one of those places, you just go and do it. Yeah. And when somebody tells you, if you go all the way to Texas and you get to meet this amazing person and they say, Hey, Dana, I want to introduce you to my favorite tree. And that that is what people say to me after my career of 20 years, you know, that that is what people say to me is, Hey, Dana, you're coming to town. I want to introduce you to my favorite tree. You go, you go and say yes. And you go and see the favorite tree. Under any circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Saying yes to these wonderful experiences. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's it's actually really sad about that wall, I think, if you ask me. And uh, I, I was talking to somebody on another podcast interview and we were saying that when you are sitting on a plane and you look down on planet Earth, you don't see any borders. Oh, You know, I made a film called The Woodthrush Connection, where I listened to people across borders connected by a migratory bird that they love so much, this songbird. And 
you know, everybody wants to protect this bird. And, and this is a migratory bird. This bird needs all of us along the migratory path completely to work together to make sure that it has the right habitat, you know, along the entire migratory journey where it hangs out in the winter, where it hangs out in the summer and everywhere in between. And we have to work together across borders. If we want to listen to these beautiful songbirds in the spring, or we want to have access to our favorite tree. And I found that so often on the journey um, for this new film, The Gulf Coast Love Story, there's actually several parts where we see people losing access to these places that they love. And I mean, I love the Gulf Coast, you know, this place is, you know, I live on an area where there's these coastal dune lakes that are rare in the world and they're beautiful. And, you know, we have the beaches that people love to travel here and enjoy, um, you know, and then the bayous. And of course people get crab and shrimp and like, you know, there's just this culture, jazz music, blues, and yet, you know, sometimes you're driving along the Gulf Coast and you get to Louisiana and you'll think that you're coming upon like New York City and you're like, wow, look at these lights. And instead, it's actually like Cancer Alley. It's in fossil fuel infrastructure and it's all of this sort of oil and gas, like, you know, just stuff and and, and lights and it's just it pollution and and it's, it's absolutely devastating. And there's areas where I was filming with one um, man in Homa in Louisiana, Justin, who's a chef, and he's always worked, you know, for with the shrimp and the crabs and in his traditional Homa, you know, traditions of cooking and, and having access to these amazing foods there. Now, you know, we went to go one place, he wanted to show me and there's a fence up. We couldn't get, we couldn't get there anymore because they're building LNG and all these big gas export facilities and more petrochemical. It's just, you know, people sort of being deleted, stories being deleted, um, places being deleted and and it's just so that's what I'm working on is listening to artists and chefs and dancers and, you know, these beautiful people along the Gulf Coast that are, you know, able to share these local experiences of the shrimp and the we did a, you know, crawfish boil and Jackie did this beautiful dance on the beach after we went to the tree and listening to music, listening to these things and visioning a future like we want, what, what do we want? And it's not this, you know, it's not where it's going along the Gulf coast. And so the, the film is really a love story and that's what I do. I listen, we do healing. We all come together and feel safer together, you know, in this place. Wow. But this is a very good question that you just asked. What do we want? What do we really want? And, and, you know, my other question or my other uh, thing is, we're not, we're here for such a long, such a short time. Why are we doing all these things? Know. You know, and I got a chance to work on a project called Gulf Coast Murals. And when you get to work with young people, it was like, we did this live mural at the University of Houston. Young people did this mural in New Orleans through this project called YAM and Youth Arts Movement. And these young people painted these murals of love for the Gulf Coast. And, and the visions that they have of community, of love is, you know, it's almost, you know, just makes you <laughs> just want, like, why? Yeah, this isn't, this isn't really the future that they see. And you want no. to do something for them. You want to say, hey, I fought, I tried. 
So that's what we're doing. You know, we want them to feel safe in their home and to not feel like they have to move away from here or that somebody's coming and, you know, going to pollute their home or, or take it away. And, and so these murals actually have this better visions for the future, you know, like in Corpus Christi, where they can no longer see the sunset at Sunset Park because of this infrastructure has been built out so much in the last five years. They did this beautiful mural. Uh, this one artist, Jose Gonzalez support did this beautiful mural of a sunset over a park with community gardens and people together, you know, and in, in New Orleans, it's like rebuilt homes and communities, you know, with clean energy and, just beautiful, beautiful. And the the young people at the University of Houston, by the end of that day, when we were painting the live mural, we didn't know if anybody would come. By the end of the day, we had probably up to 50 students coming through there and just joining in and painting a part. And I have one student that said to me, Dana, the work that you're doing is important because it's showing us that it's okay to be ourselves. And it made me feel safe having you near me while I was painting. And what y'all are doing is important for humanity. And it's like, we're just painting a mural, but coming together, Mm -hmm. saying it's okay Mm -hmm. to care for each other is even radical in this day. So we're doing some radical love stuff out here. (laughs) Do you think that uh, most young people are aware and thinking of the planet are more aware than like Okay, you and I are not the same generation. I'm older, but but that people are becoming more aware. And is there hope? I absolutely think so because every generation we learn more. You know, we're we're gaining access to information even amongst ourselves, um, scientifically, of course, data, but also amongst ourselves on things like TikTok. And these young people, I mean, they are sharing information like we've never had before. It's it is revolutionary. And so they're sharing information about everything and how, you know, how we want to be in relationship with, with, with everybody, you know, and, and the realities of many things I've learned so much. I joke around that I've gotten a TikTok doctorate in this or that, because you really do learn a lot from each other. And so we've never seen this before, um, this time of really sharing information beyond who we know, like on Facebook, you're often connected with people, you know, things like that, or you have to go and search out information that you need to find. You want to learn about on Google and depending on what news sources or, or whoever your influencers are, you're receiving information specifically, you know, that you're looking for that you're that you already know and is in your bubble and in your circle you know this really has i think brought us to connecting with people all around the world in a new way to receiving things that we didn't even know that we needed to ask the question for and so i think that that's kind of a fascinating new new way of doing and as an artist that's what i try to always be doing is trying to think of things that you know it's not on trend it's not like whatever, you know, um, whatever is what pe- everybody wants me to do. And I think young people have that ability to, to think in new ways, to be curious, to have wonder, to say, hey, does it have to keep being this way? Even though, okay, you did it and they did it that way. But like, what if we tried an actual new way and we innovated and we, you know, cared in this new way for each other? So I think they're looking at it in a lot of different ways and not just seeing it as, Oh, climate change and oh, this, this and that. But it's it's so localized to health issues, to weather issues, to community issues, social justice issues, racism issues, women's issues. I mean, so you could really dig in right on anything that's important to you and find that connection back. And that's what I'm doing with artists now. You know, I did it with birders 
farmers, women, mothers. Why are we going to care for the world? Because of the children that we want to protect. Why are we going to care for the world? Because of care for creation and religion and faith and whatever. Everybody has their reasons, right? For for why they do the things they do. And I think we get busy in the day-to-day. And that's, of course, what the systems want is keep us busy in the day-to-day. And I think young people are really taking the time to say, okay, I'm receiving. Okay, I see that I'm receiving all of this. But wait, let me take a time to like actually think and to see what I believe and what I want the future mm-hmm. to be like. And that's what we really need right now more mm-hmm. than any. So you believe that the this all all this the, the good side of social media, whatever TikTok has created more awareness and has um helped people to support each other more and find each other more. I think I, I did I read well, it was in 2022 that you went to Washington with Jane Fonda and you did a thing called Fire Drill Friday Climate Action. Yeah. Yeah, we just actually at the end of the year to end out the year, such a beautiful celebration of communities along the Gulf Coast. And so Roisheta Ozane from Lake Charles was invited up to speak with Jane Fonda as a special guest speaker at her very first Fire Drill Friday since COVID. And so this is a wonderful legacy project, um, call to action that Jane Fonda is doing um, where she's bringing these amazing guests in on Fridays and really doing that sort of niche thing of like, you know, okay, this, this topic, that topic, every different, you know, Friday, a new topic. And so we had an opportunity to really highlight what was going on with petrochemicals along the Gulf coast and the pollution from the oil and gas industry here, the threat from LNG and the safety and this sort of call to listen to the Gulf coast, because we all are connected to the Gulf coast and we all love the Gulf coast. So mm-hmm. um, it was really fun. Jane's amazing. We had a wonderful day together and they, they marched actually um, did a little March with um, uh, Taylor Schilling, who is an actress that was on uh, Orange is the New Black, amongst other amazing award-winning things, and just a beautiful human being. And so we had an opportunity with with um, with Taylor, with Jane, and um, some other folks to then they marched up to the stage. There was hundreds of people there, beautiful crowd, and right there by the White House called on President Biden to declare a climate emergency and to take action for the Gulf Coast to stop the LNG build out, to stop the petrochemical build out and to care for communities. So it was a really beautiful day. Jane is an absolutely inspiring speaker. Roisheta is is moving and beautiful speaker. It was a wonderful, wonderful day. Um, I really appreciate Annie and the folks at Greenpeace who helped put that together with the Fire Drill Friday crew. And we had such a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, And I think that a lot of people took action that day and learned a little bit because Jane is so educated about the policies and the politicians and the ways that um, this world works. And so she's, she really brought some brilliance to that day. I was so impressed and so inspired by her. I think it's fascinating also that she still does that, you know, that she has influence and people are paying attention and and uh, so many more people could do that or should do that. I think it's fantastic that she still does that and that she goes out and that she moves things. Oh, absolutely. I'm so grateful to her and to people like you who are listening, people who are, you know, working together 
It was one of the most beautiful days. I'll never forget that day with Jane Fonda and Rochetta Ozane. We had a beautiful time and it really ended our year in such a wonderful way. Um, and so, yeah, Jane has been the kind of activist that I hope all of us, you know, will, will strive to be. I mean, what a legend. I'm just, I love her. I think we should just all do the best we can because yeah. you know, we cannot change the world. We can, but we can change our world we can create our world and connect with people like you through kiki and through, you know like via, mm-hmm. via from, from switzerland via cyprus through a swedish woman to speak somebody with with <laughs> it, at the golf coast and that's what is that that's how we become a global community and that's maybe when those walls will not be so important anymore when we when we create that absolutely i think we are looking, you know, at these beautiful women, right? I got the chance to meet some of the global women groups with through Kiki. And I definitely, I, you know, I think of when I think of the leaders that I'm, I'm so inspired by, it often is women. And I'm grateful to you all because it has been women that have always lifted me up and, and just inspired me. And so I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm inspired by Jane Fonda's brilliance. Like I mentioned, you know, but also that the kindness, the willingness to sort of, um, you know, she's doing this on Fridays, you know, with herself, but, you know, taking this action, this, this amazing legacy and, and doing this work, but also every Friday highlighting somebody else. Right. And really opening it up, bringing somebody new in um, or, or multiple new people in. And, and it leads to, you know, just wonderful opportunities to keep this conversation going um, with new love and um, not only women, but all people together, just, you know, really working together in new ways. I think where we're thinking not only about the present day, and, but also about the future and caring for each other in a new way. Yes, about our children as well. Now, you originally come from New York, right? Yes, I was born up in New York along the Hudson River, uh, close to New York City, and spent a lot of time down in New York City, um, but also just all over the United States for the Junior Olympics and then um, for work. I've had a chance to um, work a lot in places from Appalachia, to, of course, L.A. and Hollywood and California, and then working on, I did a, a, a lot of touring through the Moms Clean Air Force with women across America, got a chance to film with the Woodrush Connection in Belize. I'm um, now filming all the way to the border in Texas, and I've traveled all around the world, like trying to learn about different ecosystems and, and learn about different types of, you know, people. And, and I found that my work is not so much in, you know, the documentary type of, you know, serious way of doing things, but more in finding new ways to do things that are a little bit more equitable, a little bit more loving and a little bit more collaborative um, and more focused on listening. And so I find myself hearing more and more that like, you know, oh, we didn't expect it to be such a love fest when we were together or things like that. And it's really more about the healing, I think, that the listening provides. And so the kind of work that I do is focused around being being present, being a healer in these different places, and then being able to share those stories so others can listen as well. You know, it's just become a part of it. But yeah, I, I started 
I started in New York and um, came to this place along the Gulf Coast uh, in Florida for college. And so that's how I actually came to the Gulf Coast originally 20 years ago. And I keep coming back here again and again and again. And I'm just lucky now to finally be making my first film here. Amazing. Amazing. I told you at the beginning before we recorded, I used to be a tour guide in the U.S. And I have been to really, really many places all over and I love the national parks. I love uh, Bryce Canyon, Zion Canyon, Grand Canyon, Yellowstone. What is your favorite part of the United States? So interestingly enough, it's right here. So I choose this place because I love it so much. And so I I mentioned the coastal dune lakes, but the coastal dune lakes are rare in the world where, you know, so I'm standing on the beach here in Florida on the top of the Gulf of Mexico. And if I look to one side, it is this very, very wild ecosystem, a lake, you know, a blue heron flying through the sky, alligators. And then I look on the other side of a short little river, which is called an outfall through the dunes onto the beach, this beautiful white sand, of course, that is here on the Gulf Coast, the Emerald Coast beautiful crystal clear blue green water and dolphins and (laughs) sea turtles and the outfall essentially opens up into the gulf about once a year or so and it creates this brackish red water system that that sort of erupts into the gulf coast and then the water then is refilled in the lake with this blue green water and it's this unique ecosystem it's so special to me there's something healing about this place um that that has kept me coming back and i really consider it so much to be my home i'm i'm i love this place so much and we worked for 20 years ago you know to preserve a lot of it and so there's there's i think 40% or more of this whole area is just forest. It's very natural and it's amazing. I love it so much. It makes me want to go there now, you know. Come visit. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yeah, that would be a nice idea. We right? Should either, we, we'll, meet, we'll either meet on the Gulf Coast or on Kiki's Little Island in Sweden. There, there, exactly. Places. Or have you been to Cyprus? Have you been to the Eastern Mediterranean? No, I want to go to all of these places. Are you see, so, so we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get together in all these different places. That so you travel a lot. You traveled a lot outside the US as well. Is there any places? Or, or, or do you have a favorite place in the world? Gosh, you know, I once went to Ireland and I always say that I would go back to Ireland because I there's so many places to go. I, I want to I go to new places, right? But I went to Ireland one time and I missed my train and I ended up in a, t- in a car uh, with a band from Italy, a folk band. And we just traveled around Ireland together, going to castles and having the best kind of time that you can have in your 20s, you know, just like living and and who cares where we go next kind of thing and I had a big schedule and I knew where I was going to go but then I threw it all out the window and so I I just had a lovely time in Ireland but I also felt that kind of energy there like I feel here it was a very special energy and then I recently went to Spain this was my latest place right and I'm like oh my gosh I could move there I love I love southern Spain I love Cadiz And so I had a very special experience there where as soon as I saw this cathedral, my heart, and I just felt like, gosh, you know, I'm connected to this place. And I I just felt a very deep connection. Like, 
I um past life there it was there and so or my ancestors were there and so really loved getting to go where my people my ancestors sort of come from in Spain and Italy and Portugal and doing those kind of journeys as well amazing but I think you are just kind of a citizen of the world aren't you I think you would you would <laughs> fall in love with anywhere you go <laughs> <laughs> and you I want do. to stay there. That's really all I bring. You know, that's what I mean. I'm not like the best documentary filmmaker in the world. I'm not, you know, what I am is I'm in love with this world and I love people and I love listening to people. And so just by doing that, it not only heals, I think the people that I'm with, but it's healing me. I have a blessed life of getting to give, getting paid to like, to love people and to listen to people and do this kind of work where we're celebrating and having joy and making art and sharing stories and getting to share our truths sometimes for the first time. And it's, you know, in places where we normally don't get to do this, right. Or things we don't always get to talk about and, and, but it's not, you know, for any big agenda, it's really just real people sharing and loving and living. And so I love it. I, I just, yeah, I love everybody. <laughs> It's super it's curious. Because, you know, like you love listening. You say you love not many people love listening because most people spend much more time talking than listening, even though we all know that when you listen, <laughs> you learn something. When you speak, you are you, you hear something that you already know. But now you're talking about or you're saying that you're not the, you've you've won a lot of awards, even though you say that you're not the best uh <laughs> documentarian in the world you've done a good job so so uh there must oh, be something about those documentaries that you make the last two years were very special to me because I won these awards that one was um I was recognized actually for the under this one um was the Don Eldon award and this was a documentary filmmaker that had passed away and his parents had created this award and and it was honoring people as part of the My Hero Award people who just were doing this kind of good hero work and so it was more honoring me for who I am and this kind of way that I want to exist in the world and to be giving and loving and listening. And so it was an honor to be just honored for existing. Right. Like, and then I just won this award called the Maya Darren uh, film innovation award. And that was um, also sort of not just for like for a specific film that I made, but for my work in doing this caring for the world and, and in the work that I was trying to do in community connecting and, and who I am, you know, it was just like, you know, the biggest honors and these filmmakers, Maya Darren and Donald, and these were really people who had actually been in very dangerous places and doing really important work. And, um, Maya Darren's from the Ukraine and Don Eldon was doing work in Africa and they, they're just amazing people. And it was like, wow, you know, this is a big honor. So that was really coming through COVID and I actually had lost film funding and we had to stop my other film and things all fell apart. I didn't know what was going to happen. And then to just randomly like in sort of like these weird times, get the biggest awards of my career and then now be this past year 
you know, fun, funded doing my, doing this film work and hoping to continue it and make it into my first sort of big feature film project. Um, it just all feels really nice. But you are mentioning funding. Is it harder to find funding for a documentary than it would be for a, a film, like a, you know, a, a movie? A, 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 what, what do you call it? A, I think it there's, must... there's definitely different worlds, right? Because when you're making Avatar, you're expecting yeah. to be gajillions of dollars back. And it's all these investors that are looking at making money from art, right? I mean, art paintings and things are some of our biggest money things, right? But then when you think about the kind of people that care about the world, um, when we've had really big crises like COVID or, or in the United States, 9-11 was this big crisis that sort of shook up the philanthropy world. And so COVID was that same way. And um, but but people continue to give to the arts. People continue. They might not give to the animal shelter anymore or they might not, you know, give to the environment. They're feeling more close to home. They're feeling sort of centered in their own problems and in the day to day. Um, they're worried about safety and security. But oftentimes they will still give to um, this art because it is like literally one of the things that brings us joy <laughs> and it, it entertains us in these times. And But it's also philanthropy, I think, in a way, just in general, because you know, you're able to combine those things. So you're now you're supporting the arts, but you can also do a documentary about something you really do actually care about. Maybe a family illness that had happened. Mm -hmm. Now you're making, a, you're supporting a documentary about, you know, this specific kind of illness or, or climate change, because that hit close to home for you. So, you know, you're combining this support for the arts and you're giving and you're, it is really much more of a giving than an investing, I would say, yeah. Um, yeah. unless you're looking at big things like, you know, um, I had, I had an opportunity to work on a big Emmy winning series. And, and even then though, when you're, you're doing these sort of cause things, yeah, you might get a big, you know, network deal or sell to some big thing. I'm, I've been doing so far, you know, these, these things that we're doing for free, like we're making things that go to film festivals, they win awards. It's great. But then we really want to get them back into community for impact campaigns, for local screenings, for, you know, just showing them as much as possible. And so I have films that are made into school curriculums or distributed to 4,000 churches across the country with a toolkit on how to DIY sustainability, you know, like mm -hmm. we're, we're really doing action impact campaigns with a lot of the films as well. Um, but, But the funding for me is often coming in collaboration with that kind of thing where it's more nonprofit organizations that are supporting me. When I'm looking at this new feature film, though, I'm looking at more investor funder types that like films, that like art, that are, you know, grants and, and labs. And I'm going to try to do some of these things for the first time and have some fun with it. And, you know, who knows? I don't know. We'll see if I... But, but so far, all of my partnerships have been with like, you know, the Audubon Society, the Moms Clean Air Force, the Sierra Club, these amazing organizations. Do you have a dream? If there was like an unlimited amount of funding available, available, what would you do with it? I would do my feature film now. I would do exactly what I'm doing. It's funny because you asked me what I would do. When I, where would I live? And I would live exactly where I live. And what would I be doing if I had unlimited money? I would do exactly what I'm doing. And I love these answers for myself. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. Oh, so yes. Isn't, I would that, isn't that beautiful to be able to <laughs> say that? I think that is a sign of being really, me. really content. 
Yes, it took me a long time to get here to this conversation. So it's really in recognizing that is really beautiful. (laughs) And you mentioned the word word healing a few times, and I'm sure there was a lot of healing involved to get where you are. So much healing, so much healing. I mean, healing is a day-to-day activity, and especially in areas like the Gulf Coast where you are, you know, in so many communities, there's so many layers of trauma, right? And, And so I think that, you know, healing is a day-to-day thing here. Mm -hmm. Um, And even just as women, as humans, right? And it's a choice. So I'm choosing every day to do this healing work and to be able to give in service to the world my best self, you know? That's, I think, because I was just looking at the time, we're getting to the end of this interview. And I think after that, there is nothing, not much else to say because that would be... (laughs) The way you said that is just so very beautiful and it is a day-to-day thing. And I think we should all use healing every day and think about, you know, what, what do I need? What, what do I need to do now to heal? Or and, and then you start again the next day because it's it never ends. It never ends. You know, find your happiness, do more of that. What makes you happy? What makes you have that joy, that shine, that sparkle? You know, try to do a little bit of that each day. But that's not, you know, that's not all, right? Like learning about yourself, working on yourself, accepting you know, and really having a self-concept, like who are you, who are you presenting to the world, but also being able to learn and change, right? Like so many of us, it's so scary. It's change is it's horrifying for so many people, but the world is change and the world is always changing. And I think that's what keeps me young. I think that's what keeps us joyful. Um, and then the giving, like there is nothing that makes you feel better. It takes a lot. It's sometimes when you are so busy, it's hard to help others or to do, do something, you know, good for others. When, when self help and self, you know, love often just says, take a bath, take care of yourself. Right. And we need to do that first. Like you need to do the joy first so that like, it's like, you're, you're taking care of yourself so that then you can give to others, but there's nothing that makes me feel better than like when, when somebody that I've been working with has good news, when something that we've listened to, when the documentary film helps or any of this work is actually healing, that's what I'm feeling like so good, you know? And I feel like the more that I'm working on, how can I serve better, you know, the more joyful I am. And we don't realize that I think a lot, you know, how, how good that feels. And, and so I want you to know that how much this has meant to me, you listening to me, this has helped me. I appreciate what you, what you're doing. And this podcast is so important all the people that listen to your show and these amazing people. I listened, of course, to episodes. I'm a fan now. And I love, I just, I love, I love these travel stories and these stories of, of living. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Dana Richero, for spending time with me and for being on Most Memorable Journeys today. Ah, thank you so much. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.